0: Sure, honey. 32, please. important business meeting. Oh, oh, I knew this was going to happen. Uh, yeah, I find the work up enough courage to get on an elevator and this happens. Courage? Courage for what? Uh, I'm a claustrophobic. <laughs> My therapist thought this would be a great idea. Mm. Uh, one year of therapy to work up the nerve to get into an elevator and this happens. Well, look. so calm at a time like this. I just believe that uh, nothing happens by accident. Huh? Yeah, I I believe that there's a purpose for everything that's happened here. It's going to be really interesting to see what happens. So where did you hear foolishness like that? Some self-help course? Actually, from the Bible. Uh, Are you a Christian? Yes, yes I am. Are are you a mid of... No, no, nothing nothing like that. I just believe that God places me where I should be for a particular purpose. Well, unless you can restart this elevator, I don't see your purpose here at all. (laughs)
1: Well,
0: I was... I sure would be happy to answer any questions you might have. I used to go to church as a girl. But I drifted away. Do you know what good church I could go to? I tried therapy. Maybe I should give God a chance. Oh, yeah, okay. I admit it, I'm a little rough around the edges. I could use a change too. Wow, do you see what's happening here? Do you really think it's by chance that all of us entered this elevator? That all of us are stuck here together? I'm a Christian, and all of you have been looking for spiritual answers. That would be quite the coincidence. I still find it hard to believe that we're stuck here on purpose. So what now? The elevator's going to start? So here's the question, how do you discover Mr. Wright, Mrs. Wright? We're in this series about marriage and divorce, and uh, last week we said, uh, hey, you need to look at uh, what it means when you say I do, right? And you're in that marriage relationship. Today we're going to talk about I do I don't, what about before you say uh, I do? What about when you're in that single life and, uh, you know, you know how, what does scripture have to say to us about how we approach uh, finding that, that right person. So if you're ready to go, uh, first place I think of force to start is to understand that in discovering Mr. Wright or Mrs. Wright, uh, our culture has some different viewpoints about how that works and, and what the purpose of dating in particular uh, is all about, right? And so I kind of try to summarize what I see out there at least as kind of the three main kind of ideas out there about what dating should look like alright to find Mr. Wright or Mrs. Wright. The first one is kinda uh, date and fill the plate right that means you just wanna you just wanna date and keep dating and keep dating and date as many people as you can just fill the plate right just keep dating because dating is fun and it's all these new people and you can just date one you know this person and that person and just keep just keep having fun doing the dating thing right well that's one cultural viewpoint you experience people who are doing that yeah, I see a few heads out there. Yeah, sure. Right. Now, I gotta tell you though, there's some risk involved with the idea of date and fill the plate. Because the problem for you is that as you're dating and filling the plate, along the way, you may make some mistakes and some bad choices. And you may be stuck with somebody who's on the plate and not Mr. Wright or Mrs. Wright. Okay? So you just gotta know that if that's your theory on the dating experience. Well, you're taking some risk out there, okay? A the second one out there, and it's emerging, especially within the Christian community, the conservative Christian community, is, uh, listen, I'm not going to date at all. I'm not going to date until I already know who the right person is to be my mate. And so there's some young, real, hardcore Christian couples out there who uh, they won't kiss until their wedding day because they're just saying, wait a minute, I'm, I'm going to just reserve that not going to let that cloud my judgment, and I'm, I'm just going to make sure I got Mr. Right, and then I'll date that person to discover who they are uh, and then move the altar in marriage, right? The third option, uh, and the one I want to talk to you most about this morning because I think it's probably the most uh, biblical of all the options that are up there, uh, is the date to discover your mate. That, that the purpose of dating itself is just that. The purpose of dating is to discover uh, who Mr. Wright or Mrs. Wright might be, right? To, to spend time getting to know a person in depth so you can discover who, who this person is and whether this person really is the right person in the right place in your life that God has brought for you as a gift to say, yep, this is the person I'm going to spend uh, my life with. We get a, a glimpse of that from Paul in 2 Corinthians 5, where he says, we are careful not to judge people by what they seem to be, though we once judged Christ in that way, right? So it's kind of a word of warning to say, well, you've got to be careful that, that you don't just judge people on the surface stuff, right? And, and dating usually often starts on the surface stuff, right? It starts with just a, a general sense of attraction and moves from there. But you've got to be careful that, that you don't make this determination about, oh, wow, Mr. Wright or Mrs. Wright, just based on, this this experience of attraction. And so dating, the purpose of dating, is to get underneath that attraction, spend time with this person, and find out who they are at their core, right? To discover things about them uh, at their core, and and see, listen, is this really the person uh, that God wants me to spend uh, my life with? Now, if you're on board with me with that understanding that dating is about discovery, and it's about discovering Mr. Right or Mrs. Right and that, that right person that God's chosen for you, uh, then you got to know some next things, okay? So first thing is, if you understand that that's the purpose of dating, you got to know before you say, I do, you have to establish some boundaries. So when you, when you start this dating experience, if you're single out there and you start this dating experience and you, you start looking at discovering whether this person or that person might be the, the, the person you're going to spend your life with. Before you even begin that process, you've got to establish for yourself boundaries. You've got to have boundaries. The Apostle Paul talked to the Corinthians. He says, I wrote to you for a special reason. I wanted to see if you could stand the test. I wanted to see if you could obey everything that was asked of you. What was he trying to find out? Well, would they would they stay the course would they obey everything that was asked of them or would they compromise right would, would they stay within the boundaries of what it means to be a Christ follower or would they go ahead and just kind of compromise here and, and compromise there and and just kind of you know make a decision here or a choice here that's inconsistent with what God would want but you know I mean the, the deal is he was testing their boundaries wasn't he well, before you say I do, when you get into this dating experience as you're just trying to discover Mr. Right or Mrs. Right, well, you've got to go into it with a good set of boundaries that says, listen, first and foremost, I'm a Christ follower. And because I'm a Christ follower, I'm going to make sure that I follow certain boundaries. And I'm not going to compromise on those boundaries because dating, dating will push you to compromise. And that's just being smart. Proverbs, a book of, of wisdom, right? Proverbs says, be cautious and hide when you see danger. Don't be stupid and walk right into trouble. Is this like wisdom? Don't be stupid and walk right into trouble, right? So in, in the dating experience, you've got to exercise wisdom and, and not be just stupid about things and just start compromising who you are in Christ. Because when you do that, it's going to lead to nothing but consequences. And so scripture would say, listen, make sure as you go into this experience, you go into the experience and you establish those boundaries. And one of the key boundaries for us is a boundary around our sexuality in the dating experience. Uh, Paul says, but whether we are home with the Lord or away from him, we still do what? Try our best to please God him. See, this is the problem in the dating experience. In the dating experience, when you meet that person, right, and then you go out, and you go out again, and you go out again, all of a sudden you're starting to spend all that time together, you're discovering each other, it's all part of the process, and you find yourself wanting what? Wanting to please them. And and, and when you start wanting to please them, you become open to the opportunity of compromising. And so you've got to have the boundary that says, wait a minute, yeah, sure, I'm going to grow to know them and understand them. Yeah, I get it, I'm going to going to grow to want to please them, but I'm going to keep a boundary. And that boundary is, I'm going to make sure whatever I do, first and foremost, pleases Christ. That's no compromise. I'm just going to do whatever it is that pleases Christ first. Paul says, after all, Christ will judge each of us for the good or the bad that we do while living in these bodies how we go through this dating experience before we say i do is vital and boundaries help us stay in the right place and that's especially true around how we express our sexuality in the dating experience scripture is always pretty clear about that it it wants us to understand the power that's involved in that sexual experience and and what happens when we date to find our mate we date, we start discovering this person, we kind of like what we see, we're attracted, we like what we see, we get to know them, we like what we see more, we grow, we say, oh, I kind of want to please them, and then all of a sudden it's really easy to compromise, especially around our sexuality, because attraction leads to those hormones pushing us in that direction. You know how this works, right? I mean, that's the way it works, Right? Scripture gives us a warning about that. It's Proverbs again, wisdom. It says, "If you carry burning coals, you burn your clothes. If you step on hot coals, you burn your feet. Is that the way it works? Yeah. Same principle. If you go to bed with another man's wife, you pay a price. These scriptures saying, listen, you got to understand that when you get that out of order in the dating experience, there is a consequence. There's a consequence. And the biggest consequence in the dating experience is when you start expressing intimacy in sexual ways before you're you're married, right? When you get it out of order, because God says this is where it belongs, over here in marriage. When you start experiencing the sexual intimacy in the dating experience, you lose focus in understanding who this person really is. Because now you start seeing them through the goggles, through the lens of that sexual experience. And the scripture would say there is a bond that goes on. There's a power involved in our sexual intimacy. And when you express that too early, now you're going to not see that person completely for who they are. If you follow Proverbs again, it says, And so she tricked him with all her sweet talk and her flattery, Right away, he followed her like an ox on the way to be slaughtered, or like a fool on the way to be punished and killed with arrows. He was no more than a bird rushing into a trap without knowing it would cost him his life. And we even have phrases around that, right? When, when sexuality gets expressed too early in dating and somebody gets pregnant and then they get married and, and they're talking about it after, you know, people talk about it and gossip about it, what do they say? Oh, she trapped him. Right? Same thing. You see, the reality is, Scripture is saying, wow, you've got to make sure you've got boundaries, especially around your sexuality, so that in the dating experience, before you say, I do, you know exactly who this person is. That you can look at them clearly without having your vision blurred by the power that intimacy has in it. Paul warns the Romans, he says, God shows his anger from heaven. It is against all the godless and evil things people do. They are so evil that they say no to the truth. The truth about God is plain to them. God has made it plain. They say no to the truth. You know what that looks like in our culture today around dating? 60% of the couples uh, in our culture today are living together before marriage. 60% live together before marriage. And the cultural reason for that, the the general kind of cultural summation of that is to say, well, you know, we're going to live together before marriage because it'll be better for us if we do. Because we can find out if it's going to work. Have you heard this before? Yeah, if we live together before marriage, we can kind of test it out. We can kind of see how it goes. You know, see if he squeezes the toothpaste in the right place. You know, see if he uses my toothbrush. I mean, you know. We can kind of test it out. But what's going on there? Well, the problem is God's truth says, no, listen, sexuality belongs in marriage. Don't test it out over here. Wait for it over here. But culture comes back and says, oh, no, 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 no. The truth of the scripture is just not there. No, the reality is you need to test it out to make sure it's okay. And, and the truth is the truth. And the Scripture would have us understand that if we exercise that sexuality too early, there is a consequence. And we can end up with the wrong person because we are tempted and compromised and we see them differently because we express that sexuality. In Thessalonians, it says... God wants you to be made holy. He wants you to stay away from sexual sin. He wants all of you to l- learn to control your own bodies. You must live in a way that is holy. You must live in a, with honor. Don't long to commit sexual sins like those who don't know God. See, this is important to God. And I guess, say, why is this important to God? Just because he wants to hold power over us and just kind of say, hey, you've got to obey? No, of course not. He knows it's the best for us. You see, when you set those boundaries early in the dating experience, you establish those boundaries, it's going to give you a clear picture of understanding who this person is. Let me give you some stats to back it all up, beyond just the truth of Scripture, okay? And this comes out of the University of Wisconsin. How many folks think that's got to be a good institution that knows what they're doing? University of Wisconsin. Yo! University of Wisconsin did a study, and it, it discovered that while our divorce rate is 50% in our culture today, a little above 50%, yeah, of the people getting divorced, 50% of them lived together before marriage. And that after 10 years, after 10 years, only 15% of those marriages, of people who lived together before marriage, only 15% of them survived Ten years or more. I mean, think about that. That that's pretty horrendous statistics, isn't it? All of which just proves. Listen, you you, you got to keep it in boundaries. You got to keep it in order because it is the best thing and the only way you're going to be able to discover in dating who Mr. Wright or Mrs. Wright uh, really is, right? That means it leads us to the next thing. The next thing for us, then, is in discovering this, we keep all these boundaries in place. Then if the boundaries are in place, we can start asking the right questions and say, well, listen, is this person really Mr. Wright? Is this person really, you know, Mrs. Wright? Is this the right person that God wants me uh, to spend my life with? If you go to, again, Paul, uh, Paul uh, sets up some criteria for understanding and asking questions around if this is the right person or not. Uh, Paul says, don't be joined to unbelievers. Uh, What do right and wrong have in common? Can light and darkness be friends? How can Christ and Satan agree? What does a believer have in common with an unbeliever? How can the temple of the true God and the statues of other gods agree? We are the temple of the living God. Do you notice how often the word common appears in that text? You see, it appears there's something important in the process of dating and discovering Mr. Right or Mrs. Right in your life, that you discover somebody who's got something in common with you. That there's got to be some criteria under which you commonly agree, listen, this is important. Now, this doesn't mean that you sit down and, and make a list that's like, well, let's see this person has to be blonde. they have to be a good cook. They can't weigh more than 115 pounds. They got to be quiet and they got to be funny. I mean that, that's the kind of list we're talking about, right? Because if that's the list we're making, I'm not on that list, okay? If my wife made that list, we wouldn't be together because I'm not on that list, okay? So I mean that's no, we're talking about what are the key criteria? What are the non-negotiables for you? as you look for that person you want to spend your life with, that you want God to bring into your life. We're we're talking about making a list of character kinds of qualities, character kinds of attitude qualities in your life. For instance, here's what I'd say. You need to ask a question like, listen, what is this person's attitude towards money? Because that can be a huge problem in marriages. What, What is this person's attitude towards money? Are they generous? Are they a tither? What is this person's attitude and expectations around being a parent? They want to have children, don't want to have children. If they do want to have children, how many? If they do want to have children and they figure out how many, how are they going to raise them? Do we agree on any of this stuff? Because if you don't, it's going to be a constant challenge in your marriage experience. How about honesty? You value honesty? You expect them to always be honest? You expect her to always tell you the truth? Do you catch them telling other people lies? You think if they tell other people lies, they're going to always tell you the truth? You see, you got to start making these criteria questions that say, listen, there's some things that they are just common that are on my list that say, listen, we got to share this in common. I mean, Scripture uses the image. It says, you know, don't be yoked here. Don't be joined together. The word underneath it is yoked, right, like a yoke of oxen. Do you ever notice when oxen are yoked together, there's no way they can go their separate ways? I mean, when they're yoked together, what happens? They both have to agree to go in a common direction, don't they? I mean, that's what it's talking about. Discover those qualities. Get those criterias down that you just know, listen, we've got to share this in common. Because if we don't share this in common, I don't know how our life together can work. And, And so Paul's saying the same thing. And he says the first and foremost thing that you have to discover, and you've got to know about this person is, are they on board with Christ? Do they know Christ? And, and don't take that perspective. You know, if I just, if we just get married, I'll win them over. You know, this is not the place for evangelism, right? I mean, bedroom evangelism has been, uh, you know, kind of the place the church has relied on for a lot of time. It's not the place to do evangelism in the bedroom. Okay, it's beforehand. Do you share Christ? Are you sold out together on Christ? that's an important criteria that's so important that throughout scripture and paul quotes it here there is this common thread that just says that make sure that you understand and you have this in common look at all the old testament verses that paul is quoting here leviticus jeremiah ezekiel he goes on isaiah ezekiel second samuel they all say the same thing they all say the same thing make sure you're committed to a believer make sure you're committed to a believer Third thing, before you say, I do, you need to make sure you're in that place that you are ready to simply trust God more than anything for your future. I mean, you noticed in the skit, right? I mean, the whole thing (coughs) for Mr. Wright in the skit was that Mr. Wright just was convinced that he was in the right place at the right time because God put him there, right? And he was willing to trust that God would always put him in the right place at the right time. Well, the same is true when it comes to our dating experience. See, a lot of folks suffer consequences in relationships and they marry the wrong person because they're not driven by trusting God to bring the right person in their life. Instead, they're driven by a fear of loneliness. And if you're driven by a fear of loneliness, you're going to push yourself into relationships, you're going to push yourself into compromise, and you're going to push yourself into into a marriage decision that's just not right. Because it's, it's out of fear of loneliness as opposed to saying, listen, I'm just going to trust God to do the right thing in my life and bring the right person if that's his choice. And that's what Paul tries to capture in First Corinthians 7. First Corinthians 7, Paul says, I wish all of you were like me, but you each have your own gift from God. One has this gift, another has that. He's talking about gifts. I speak to those who are not married. Before I say I do, I also speak to widows. It is good for you to stay single like me. What did he just say? It's okay to be single. It's okay to be single. In fact, he would say that may be the gift that God is bringing into your life. That that for whatever future God has in store for you, you need to be so confident in trusting God for your future that if being single is part of that it's going to open up whatever the opportunity is for your future because you're single. That's the way Paul was. He said, listen, I wish you were all like me. I'm single because, listen, I couldn't do what I'm doing if I was married. Can you imagine being married to the Apostle Paul? Talk about nightmare, right? Holy cow. And he's saying, listen, that's not what God wants in my life because this is what I've got to do with my life. And so before you say, I do... You need to be able to understand, listen, I'm going to trust God more than anything else. And if whatever future God has for me, that may mean being single, and that could be the greatest gift He's given to me. And if not, then I'm going to trust God to bring the right person into my life. I'm going to trust you. Now, it doesn't mean you sit home at your recliner with a remote control praying, God, bring the right person through the front door. Right? I mean, you've got to get out there. you got to get active. you got to date to find the mate. Right? But it does mean... You don't make those quick decisions. You just trust God and say, listen, he's got the right person for me if that's his choice. And that's got to be enough. And it means you keep those boundaries. It means you keep that list of characters and qualities.